We are in week three of a series called Generation to Generation, and this is all about family life, our physical families, our spiritual families, our roles, how to navigate family life, and it's just been awesome. I encourage you, if you've missed any of the the previous installments, to jump on the app or the website and check them out. And then also know that next Sunday is gonna be a really special part of this series. Um, we're, we're calling it Family Day. And so uh, our elementary students are going to be here in the room with us. And so if you dropped your kids back off there or back there today, just know that next week there will only be nursery and pre-K, but elementary kids uh, will come in here with us. Uh, we're gonna have some elementary kids a part of worship. We're gonna have some of our youth students Uh, a part of the worship team, it's gonna be awesome. I can't wait. And uh, it's just, I'm gonna preach a message that's gonna be relevant to everybody, whether you're a kid, a student, uh, a parent, whether you're an empty nester, whether you're single, hey, it's gonna incorporate all of us and and I just wanna encourage you to be there for for that special Sunday. But let's jump into week number three. Uh, Today's title is called 360 Degree relationships, 360 degree relationships. But the the whole foundation of this series is that we struggle with passing on the most important things. Now I got three kids, right? And a lot of times what I pass on to them, I see them do things and I ask, where in the world did they get that? And the answer is me. (laughs) I just have to look in the mirror. I got to look at the guy who's using my toothbrush to understand where they got what they're like, right? But, and so, but there's things that I want to pass on to them that are timeless. There's things that I want to pass on to them that, that are meaningful, that, that will fill their lives with purpose. And so in Psalm 145, 4, it says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. And so that's what this is all about. And the big idea today is that if we're going to do this, if we're going to pass it on, if we're going to be older people, right? I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting older, but if we're going to be people that are passing it on to the next generation, then we need to be people of influence. We need to be people of relationship. We need to be people that can, that can grow in relationship with, with those younger than us, with those older than us, with our peers, then the, then the big idea today is that a teachable spirit is a key to great relationships. A teachable spirit is key to great relationships. Now, some of you that are parents or, or grandparents, you might think to yourself, that's right, my kids need to be teachable. That's right, my, grandki- my grandkids right now, they're so not teachable, they don't listen to a word that I say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the truth of the message is today, that it's gotta go both ways. And you say, Joe, I don't think there's a thing my two-year-old has to teach me, right? But we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna dig in and just look at this concept today. You see, when I look at families, when I look at life, when I look at you know, what causes the generations to either connect or disconnect, I see the number one family issue is selfishness. Above everything else in the entire world, I believe the thing that causes the most strife, the most disconnect, the most division, the thing that that causes the most arguments is straight up good old fashioned selfishness. What does selfishness mean? Let's let's unpack it just a little bit because it's a word that kind of seems self-explanatory a little bit. We're all about ourselves, but let's let's bring this into to real life a little bit. Selfishness is when I want to do what I want to do, plain and simple. 
Selfishness is when I want to control everyone else. We got any control freaks in the room? Come on, somebody. Selfishness is when my ideas are always the best ideas. Selfishness is when I always got to one-up everybody with a better story, with a better thing, with something better than I've done. Selfishness is when I like when you think like me. But don't you dare start to think unlike me, right? That would burst my bubble a little bit. Selfishness causes feelings in our life to reign supreme. And so the mantra is, I feel, therefore I act. Regardless of who it hurts, after all, I'm just being me. And you just need to accept me for who I am. The burden is on you. I've removed all burden off my shoulders. It's on you. You just need to get over it because this is me. It just got real, didn't it? (laughs) Selfishness is when I can't take no for an answer. And at the same time, I have a really hard time saying no. Selfishness is when I hold others to a higher standard than I hold myself. And who in this room is not guilty of that? I know that I am all the time. And so we can see from that that, man, we all really struggle with this. I love the story of Mike Singletary. He was a, he's a Hall of Fame linebacker from the NFL, and then he went on to coach in the NFL. And, and a reporter asked him one day, they saw that, that all of a sudden at the press conferences and whatnot, he's wearing a cross around his neck. And the reporter asked him, why, why do you wear that cross? You know, we didn't see it before. What's up? What's going on? And so Mike shares the story that, you know, he, 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 football was his life. He did everything that it took to win. And finally, he won the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl, the, the most epic event in our culture, at least. Everybody's watching it. Everybody's eating guac and nachos and, and, and tacos. And it's amazing. And wings. Anybody have some wings last? Come on, somebody, bless Jesus. Anybody have some wings last week that just blew your mind? Yes, wings. Getting you a little hungry for lunch already. Come on. And so Mike Singletary wins the Super Bowl. He gets to the top. He reaches the pinnacle. He does what he set out to do. And guess what he realized? It's empty. Meaningless. That what he thought was going to satisfy the deepest longings in his soul, his life pursuit of just going after what he wanted and making it the sole pursuit of his life left him completely empty. And because he had grown up in church and he knew a little bit about God, he knew that it was time to put his everything in the hands of Jesus. And so that's what he did. I love how he said it. He said, he said, my ladder was leaning up against the wrong building. My ladder was ringing, leaning up against the wrong building. So he had to completely move his ladder and lean it up against Christ because it was only when he gets closer to Christ and only when he gets closer to God that he finds true significance. And that's just an amazing picture of the Christian life because the Christian life is turning away from ourselves and turning towards Christ. Not ironically enough, that's exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. Self is a tempting but unfulfilling pursuit. And so in contrast, the number one family solution, if you want to know what's going to fix my family, 
What's going what's gonna to put things back together? What's going to get me on the road to healing? And just a little disclaimer, man, you start down this road, it doesn't mean everything's going to fix overnight. It doesn't mean that years and years and years of, of selfishness is going to be righted after, after just one little decision. But it's not just a little decision. It's a huge decision to, to put Christ first and say, I'm going to live a selfless life. Because the number one family solution is selflessness. It's the direct opposite. And what does selflessness say? Selflessness, selflessness says that I'm here to serve others. Selflessness says that when I refresh others, I'll be refreshed. When I plant seeds of care and encouragement and put others before myself, I'm going to get filled up. Selflessness says that there's strength in the counsel of many Selflessness says that I will choose to love you even when you have crazy ideas. And I think you're, you're kind of, you know, going to the loony bin a little bit. Come on. Selflessness says that I will not allow my feelings to lead me to treat you poorly. Selflessness says that saying no is sometimes just as important as saying yes. Selflessness says that I will hold myself to a higher standard than I do others. And I want to present to you today that there's really only two perspectives that you can live by. There's only two options. You can have the view that God and life and people, they're here for you. They're here to bless you. They're here to make your life better. And, and it's just you're in the center or God and life and people they can teach me and I can bless them. I can add value. We've all got to ask ourselves this, this fundamental question. Did I show up in life to be served or to serve others? And I just want to give you a quick hint today. Jesus came to serve, right? He came to serve. And so a great example of this teachable spirit, this selfless spirit that, that we want to unpack and just put it in really real terms that we can understand today is the 360 degree perspective. What is that? What is this perspective? See, it's a free flow of learning and sharing, of giving and receiving in all directions. So this 360 degree perspective says that I can learn from those who have gone before me, those that are older than me, those that have more experience. I can learn from those who are with me, my peers. I can learn even from those who are younger than me, and we're gonna see that in scripture today. And then it also says that I can add value to those who have gone before me. I can add value to my peers, and I can add value to the next generation. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, when you're through learning, you're through. You're done, you're toast. Might as well just stop. When you're through learning, you're through. We've always got to keep learning. We've got to keep growing. We've got to keep the edge. That's why a part of my ministry in my life over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so has been having a personal development plan in my life where I'm constantly assessing where am I at? What am I doing to grow? What am I reading? What am I listening to? What are the goals that I want to hit in my life? And constantly just, just being intentional with my plans. Why? Because when I'm through learning, I'm through. It's an attitude that says, I always have something to give. I'm going to always be learning. Why? 
so that I could always have something to give. You see, a 360-degree perspective is all about mutual submission and mutual contribution. I'm, I'm submitting to others through learning. I'm submitting to, to material that helps me grow. I'm submitting to ideas that, that expand my mind and my influence. And I'm contributing. I'm constantly adding value. Now, before you, you get the wrong idea, mutual does not mean equal. Some people give way more than is reciprocated. Have you ever been on that end? For instance, though, when my kids were toddlers, I th- taught them to do all kinds of things. How to put the food in their mouth instead of on the floor. That's an important one. You've been there? It's like food's everywhere but in the mouth. Come on. We got to teach them to get it in the mouth. So I taught them some really practical things, but guess what they taught me? They pe- t- taught me to be more patient and selfless. I didn't have a choice. It was like grow up fast, <laughs> right? You got kids and it's like, oh, I'm not going to go out to the movies tonight. I'm not going to do, do what I want. I'm going to uh, rock a baby to sleep or change a diaper or, or do what's best for them. And so while I'm teaching them to do very practical things, they're teaching me to do very deep work in my heart. And so mutual doesn't mean equal all the time. But some key parts of this attitude is that I'm giving, I'm receiving. I'm remembering it's not about me. I'm getting my motives purified. I want to be a blessing. This isn't about control. It's not about getting what we want. It's not about us. This is about adding value, honoring others before ourselves, and being like Jesus. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, love this verse. It's one of my life verses. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. All that sounds really hard, but at the beginning it said, me and you, we've got to have the same attitude that Jesus did. We gotta have that same selfless, get low, serve people, put others people's needs before our own attitude that Jesus had. And so when we talk about a 360 degree perspective, we literally mean that we're gonna intentionally make ourselves a servant of all. We're gonna develop this practice of being a learner, being a learner and a giver, and we know that that's gonna increase your influence and your impact, right? Because those younger than me, they're not gonna listen to me if I don't have influence in their life. Those older than me definitely aren't gonna listen to me unless I grow some influence in their lives. And let's just be honest, if you're a learner and you're a giver, It makes you and I more palatable to be around. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? Somebody that comes to you with humility, somebody that comes wanting to learn, somebody that comes with a word of encouragement, somebody that is is not always just taking, but they're also giving and they're, they're blessing you. Man, those are the kind of people that you want to be around, right? And so let's fill in our notes today. Let's work through this in scripture. A 360 degree attitude says that number one, I can learn from anyone. I can learn from anyone. And by the way, the notes are in the app. Um, There's a half page there close to your seat. 
And so you could do analog or you could do digital um, or you could just listen and, and watch on the screens. But number one, I can learn from anyone. Anyone. Proverbs 12.1 says, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Now, some of you, when your kids were growing up, you didn't let them use that word. And you're surprised to find that S word in the Bible, right? But the Bible is clear. It makes a distinction. We've got to love discipline and hate. And, and we can't hate correction. We've got, to, we've got to value it. We've got to value learning. Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools think, it, think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And those are just two of the Proverbs. If you go through Proverbs, we see this value of loving wisdom, of loving counsel, of getting around others, of, of learning from those who have gone before us, of just having this posture and this attitude of a learner. And so just a few verbs that we see in those two verses. We're gonna learn we're going to love discipline. We're going to listen. We're learning. We're loving. We're listening. Now, guys, I am no a marriage expert. Trust me. Just ask Jolie. <laughs> I, I, am, I am no expert. But here's what I know. When I come to a conversation with an attitude of a learner, and when I have a heart of love, and I shut my big mouth and just listen, things go way better. Wives, can I get an amen? amen? Listen, listen. It's something that I tell myself all the time. Just stop talking and listen. And when we bring that attitude, whether it's with our kids, man, parent, think about all the interactions that you've had with your kids lately. How much it has been one-sided? Do this, do that, do this, why this, why that? And, and when is the last time you just took a moment to just really listen to what's going on in their heart and in their life? Learning, listening, loving. And so a 360-degree attitude says, I'm gonna learn from anybody. We see a really cool example of this in scripture. In Exodus chapter 18, Moses, now in the past couple weeks we talked about Abraham, right? And then we talked about Joseph. And then we go down quite a few more generations down the road. And guess what? The Israelites, where Joseph was the, the leader, they're still in Egypt in slavery. 400 years. It's been a long time. And God calls Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Amazing story. Amazing story. But Moses, he, he, he leads them out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. All kinds of miracles. God is showing up and showing off. And Moses is doing the best he can with what he has. And so one day, Moses' father-in-law shows up. His father-in-law shows up. Now listen, if you can learn from your father-in-law, you can learn from anybody, right? If you can learn from your in-laws, you can learn from anybody. Now, I've, I'm, I'm blessed to have great in-laws, great parents, um, and, and we, we've all have great relationships. But I know in a room this size, there's, there's some in-law relationships that just might be a little strained. And so just put yourself in that situation, and your father-in-law or your mother-in-law comes over and has some advice for you. And guess what? You didn't ask for it. 
And so Exodus 18, 17 through 18, Jethro, the father-in-law, says to Moses, this is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. You see, Moses had been hearing all the complaints and all the stuff, and he was trying to do it all by himself, and he was just trying to, he was trying to do what God had called him to do, and there was probably no malice. There was no, he just didn't know any better, and that's me in life. Man, the older I get, the older, the more I realize how much I don't know. The more I realize I really need to learn more, the more I need to read, the more I need to listen, the more I need to figure things out because I just don't know the answer. And thankfully, for the Israelites' sake, Moses heeded the advice of his father-in-law, and he changed how he was leading. If you can learn from your father-in-law or your mother-in-law, you could probably learn from anybody. So who have you closed off in life and no possibility of learning from them? I love this attitude that I can learn from anybody because it says I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. You know what the word uh, Christian uh, really means? It means little Christ. And you know, you know what the word disciple means? It means follower, somebody who just follows, somebody who does what the teacher says to do. And so when we become disciples of Christ, we become followers of Christ. We're the lead follower. We're the lead listener. We're the lead you know, person that is taking orders and doing what we're told. We're the first servant. Jesus told the disciples, if you want to be the greatest, then you got to be the servant of all. And so the first step to being a great leader, the first step to influence in your family, the first step to your spouse's heart is to be a great listener, a great follower, a great learner, to figure out what's really going on inside of them. And so you want to fix your job, you want to fix your marriage, you want to fix your relationships with your kids, begin by being a learner. And you might learn something if you start listening. The opposite of this that we see in scripture is, is King Saul. And you might have heard the story before that David, he killed Goliath. And, and because he killed Goliath, everybody was all about David. David this, David that. And Saul got jealous. And so instead of trying to learn from David's faith and David's example, Saul just became a real big knothead. The spirit of God left him and his kingdom went down, right? Saul was threatened by the faith and the influence of David. But David, on the other hand, maintained this followership of Saul the king long past when people thought he should have, right? David maintained his loyalty to King Saul till the day Saul died, not because Saul deserved it, but because it was the right thing to do for David to maintain the attitude of a follower, of a learner. It wasn't about the position that he held, it was about the condition and the position of his heart. The second thing that we see about 360 degree relationships is that I can lead from anywhere. I can lead from anywhere. Many times you think, well, in my family, because of these circumstances and these trials that we're going through, it just makes me really hard. It makes it really hard to be a leader. Why? Because no one listens to me. But you've got to get this belief and this faith deep down in your heart that regardless of the circumstances of in, in your life, you can be a leader. 
And God's called you to lead in your family. He's called you to to be an influencer no matter what is going on. How do we know this from scripture? Because we saw Moses in exile in the wilderness, right? And God shows up to a burning bush and speaks to him from it. We see Joseph last week in slavery and in prison. We see David as a shepherd out in the field and God calls him to lead. And then he was a fugitive on the run and God is still using him as a leader. We see Daniel in the lion's den. Man, what a place to lead from. But he's still being a leader. We see Paul in the New Testament in prison. This was the world's first remote worker because even though Paul was in prison, he didn't take the day off. He kept writing. He began writing letters to all the churches. He was the first. It wasn't work from home. It was work from prison, right? And he's the first one in history. You in school, you might think that you're trapped in school, students. You might think the school is, is kind of like a prison some days. It kind of feels like that. I see some nods. Yes. Yeah. And so we know we got them right now. You might think you're trapped in your job. You might think you're trapped in your family even. You might think you're trapped in your home. But it doesn't matter where you are, the circumstances of your life, you can lead. Listen, students, you can't be surrounded by 2,400 other students at school. And that number could be off, but I, there's a lot in Milford, just in Milford alone. You can't be surrounded by 24 other students and be trapped. Why? Because you're smack dab in the middle of one of the biggest leadership opportunities of your life. In your job, you might be in a corporation with thousands of employees. My brother works for P&G. And every once in a while, I'll meet somebody that works at P&G. And I ask him, hey, do you know so-and-so? And he just kind of gives me that look. He's like, dude. There's like 10,000 employees. Uh, No, I don't know so-and-so, right? And so you could feel like you're just one small fish in a big sea and that nobody sees you and they don't know what you're doing and, and, and you're just a cog in the wheel. But God sees you and you've got to get this idea in your heart that you can lead from anywhere. You as an adult, you as a retiree, maybe you think, you know, you, you feel like you're a little past your prime and you just don't have much to offer this next generation. Not true. You can lead from anywhere. You as a man, you as a woman, you with little money, you with a lot of money, in a broken home, a single parent, your family's all together, it doesn't matter. You can lead. And so I mentioned Paul. The the world's first remote worker. He's in prison. He's writing these letters. He's being a massive influence in the churches. Listen to what he said in Philippians 1, 12 through 14. He says, and I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And then in Colossians 4.18, we see another example. At the very end of this amazing book, Paul says, here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. I love that. It's like signing off. Remember my chains. 
And that's just a reminder to you, man, when you read these stories and, and these books of old that, that contain the real stories of real men and women who followed Christ, no matter what the circumstances, no, no, matter, no matter what the cost, don't you dare for a moment think that because of the, the, the circumstances that have befallen your family, that you can't lead, that you can't make a difference, that all is lost, and that, that you just want to give up. No, even if you're in chains, in prison, and, and you feel trapped at school or trapped in your job or trapped in life, you can lead. You can make a difference for Christ. But you got to have the attitude that says, regardless of where I'm at, I can lead from here. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, no matter what our circumstance, our greatest limitation isn't the leader above us. It's the spirit within us. No matter what our circumstance, our greatest limitation isn't the leader above us, it's the spirit within us. You might have a bad boss. You might have not had great parents. You may not feel like you are a great parent, but you can start to see yourself as a leader and you can grow this confidence and this spirit within you that no matter what, you can make a difference when you choose to be selfless. One more John Maxwell quote. He says, good leaders rarely think in terms of boundaries. Instead, they think in terms of opportunities. Good leaders rarely think in terms of boundaries. They think in terms of opportunities. And so things aren't going well at school. You say, okay, how can I turn this around? Things aren't going well at work. You say, okay, how can I have a better attitude and bring life and add value into the situation? Things aren't going well at home. You say, okay, instead of expecting them to change, what can I do to change myself? What can I learn that's gonna make me a better husband? What can I learn that's gonna make me a better follower of Christ? And we take the responsibility knowing that we can lead from anywhere, amen? We got the picture? Number three as we close today. A 360-degree perspective says that I can add value to anyone. I can add value to anyone, right? So I can learn from anyone, I can lead from anywhere, and I can add value to anyone. This is scriptural, this is real, because you are a follower of Christ, you were created in the image of God, so you have the ability, you have the ability to speak life. You have the ability to do good. The Bible says that you are God's workmanship created in advance to do the, the, the good works that God made you to do. You can do it. The disconnect in many of our lives is that many times we don't believe it. We don't believe it. You don't believe that you have anything to add. You don't, you don't have anything to say. And so you stay on the sidelines, timid to speak out or to step out and to serve in that opportunity or to be a mentor or to, or to speak life into your boss and encourage them or maybe even bring a, a, an honest evaluation of what's going on. You're afraid that you can't add value. In Matthew 18, verses one through five, Jesus did something revolutionary because up until this time, kids were meant to stay in their spot to be seen and not heard, to go to school, to learn the Torah, the first five books of the Bible by heart, and to just do their thing. And so it says about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What a selfish question, right? Selfish. 
Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Now, Jesus had called the 12 disciples, and if you've been watching The Chosen as I have, man, it's just bringing that to life. And, and you see these guys with all their flaws and all their imperfections, and, and you're like, these guys are not ready to be leaders. Like, I'm, 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 I've finished season three, and I'm, I'm still thinking to myself, when are these guys gonna get their act together? They're still not getting it at all, right? Just like you and just like me. And so Jesus, having called these 12 disciples, bring this, this kid in front of them. And that had to be just a little insulting to the disciples if I was in their shoes. He calls this little child and he puts it among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And then he shifts gears. He says, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So we see we've got to be selfless. We can't be focused on ourselves. We've got, to, we've got to become like a little child. And then he turns the page and he says, and anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be greater for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Pretty harsh words from Jesus, right? But here he's elevating the importance of both learning and being very careful about the, the value that we are adding to the next generation. He's basically saying, this isn't a game. This isn't a joke. This isn't just a leadership strategy to make you feel good about yourself. This is real life. And your pride can wreck you and what you pass on to the next generation can change everything. Serious business. And so Jesus, by bringing a little kid in front of them first, he says that anyone can add value because if you're like this little kid, if you come with nothing, you haven't developed skills yet, all you have is a childlike faith, you can make a difference and be a part of the kingdom of God. And then he turns around and he says, hey, when you're adding value to others, you better add the right thing. You better be living right. You better get rid of your sin. Get rid of the junk so that you can add the right things to others. Man, most of the time when we read this first passage, we see it as a rebuke to the disciples, which it was. Get rid of your sin, get humble. But here we also see Jesus propping up this child as an example, which means that he wanted the teaching to flow upward as well as downward. So we're gonna take our example that we set for others seriously. A lot of times we feel like we don't wanna be learners is because of insecurity. We don't wanna appear weak. We don't wanna appear, you know, um, weird. And so a lot of times instead of speaking into other people's lives, instead of adding value, we just don't do anything. There's a lot of insecurity about parenting. There is. You might be in a period of life where you think you're not having any influence on your child. You feel like you're not having any influence on your grandchildren. There's also insecurity about being young. You think because you're young, you can't make a difference. There's insecurity about growing old and, and, and being past your prime. 
all of these are self-made limitations because Jesus says, if you just come, childlike faith, get rid of your sin, get rid of the junk, come to me, let me shape you, he'll make a difference with your life. If we start getting intentional about what we're passing on to the next generation, it'll make all the difference. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. But be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Timothy, who Paul was writing to at this time, was probably around 30 years old, which back then, in that day, that was still a pretty young man. Pretty young man. And so even at 30 years old, Timothy may, may have had just a, some traces of insecurity that I don't know if I can really step out and lead. I don't know if I can really step out and add value to people. Guess what? As a pastor, I, see, I still see people in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s thinking that they don't have anything to add and nothing could be further from the truth. And so if Paul is saying to Timothy at 30 years old, don't let anybody think less of you, then it, he's saying it to you too. You don't have to be 30. You don't have to be five. You don't have to be 12 or 14 or 16 or 80. Don't let anybody think less of you, but be an example. Add value. James 3, 13 through 18. We're reading a lot of scripture, but it's good. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition, remember, we, man, we unpacked it a long time at the beginning. The number one family problem is selfishness. Selfish. But if we, if there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, you're trying to be something you're not, right? For jealousy and selfishness are not, a, are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Pretty big words. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good, good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you see the giving and the taking and the, 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 the learning and the adding value in this scripture? But we only see that 360 degree perspective that I can learn from anyone because I'm humble like a child. And I've always got something to add, to give. I've always got a value to add. I can only see this perspective when I stop being selfish. You stop being selfish. I love what Rick Warren says, and I've said it before, you'll hear me say it again. When we compare and we compete, we live in defeat. When we compare, full of insecurity, when we're competing, it's all about us winning. We're gonna just live in a constant state of defeat. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. 
And so I want to challenge you today when it comes to this 360-degree relationship mindset with a few questions. First of all, who's your mentor? And the first step in this is making Jesus the Lord of your life. He's, he's our ultimate mentor. He's our ultimate guide. We're his disciples. And so if you haven't begun a relationship with Jesus, man, I encourage you to do that today. What did that verse in Philippians 2 say? That he came like a servant, humble. He gave his life for you on a cross. He rose again on the third day. His sacrifice was for you. And so we got to take on that same attitude and say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you with my life. And so if you haven't invited Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life today, I encourage you to do that. Take that first step. Surrender to Jesus. Make him, make him your Lord. Make him your everything. There's not, kind of like that Mike Singletary story. You could climb every ladder. You can win every award. You can do everything that there is to do in life. But if you don't have Jesus, you've got nothing. So give your heart and life to Jesus today. Surrender it all. Surrender it all. And then the second question is, who am I in the trenches with? Who am I locking arms with? Who are my peers that I'm learning from? Because I'm, I'm, I'm learning from somebody. I'm, I'm adding value and learning from my, my, my peers. Who's kind of at the same stage of life as you? Man, I'm, it's so pumps me up watching all the life groups meet and just seeing people learn from people that are just like them and, and speaking to each other's lives. And me and Jolie have been in a life group on Thursday nights and it's just so good to be with people and to talk about God's word. It's amazing. And then lastly, who are you mentoring? Who are you mentoring? If you're learning and, and you realize, man, I can lead from anywhere, well then who are you adding value to? Who of you are being intentional with? Could be your kids, could be a coworker, could be, you know, jumping in youth group and being an, an example to some students, could be, man, God's nudging you to jump in kids ministry and, and make a difference. Who's my mentor? Who am I in the trenches with and who am I mentoring? Great questions. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today and Let's reflect and pray on this for a moment. If you came today and, and, and you know that when you walked in, you, you didn't have a relationship with Jesus and you, you have not made him the Lord of your life, you, you haven't taken this position of a follower in relationship to Jesus. You maybe know about Jesus, you, you've heard about him, you've heard the stories, you know that, you know, the Bible says he died on the cross and he rose again and you know that stuff, but it's never gone from your head to your heart and you've never made this conscious decision to follow Jesus. And you'd like to do that today. I wanna to give you opportunity. If you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, surrender your everything to him. If that's you today, just raise your hand. I wanna, I wanna pray for you. Amen. Amen. Any more hands? Anybody saying, I want to put Jesus first in my life. I want to follow Jesus. Amen. Awesome. If you raised your hand, you can put it down. I want to encourage you right at your seat in your own words to pray a prayer that sounds just like this. You can say, Jesus, I confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I need you. 
I believe that you died for me on the cross and you rose again on the third day. And now I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. I wanna, I wanna learn your word. I wanna listen to it. I wanna obey it. I wanna follow it. All because of what you did for me. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that you're offering me today. I receive it in Jesus' name. The Bible says that when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen? Amen. Let's give those a hand that, that just accepted Christ in their life. Amen. I'm going to pray a closing prayer, and then uh, we're going to have a group up front. Um, if you need prayer for anything, they'd love to pray for you. But, but in this closing prayer, I want to challenge you. If you say, Joe, it's time for me to have more of a 360-degree perspective in my life. I need to be a learner. I need to be a learner. I need to remember that I can lead where I'm at. And I need to be more intentional about adding value to anyone and everyone that I can. If that's you today and you just feel challenged today, raise your hand with me. Let's pray just a committing prayer that, God, we're going to be the leaders that you want us to be. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for being the ultimate leadership example in our life. And you've called us to have the same attitude that you had, that we become servants of all, that we humble ourselves just like you humbled yourself to the cross, God, we humble ourselves, we die to ourselves daily, and we follow you with everything that we have. So help us to, to settle into that confidence that we are your followers, that you've given us gifts, God, that you've given us strengths, that you've given us ideas, that you've given us hope. And so we have something to give away. And so help us, Lord, to have this attitude of a learner and at the same time, be people that are adding value to everything that we, everybody we possibly can. Help us to not walk through life feeling trapped in our circumstances, trapped in our schools, trapped in our, our jobs, trapped in our life. No, we're not trapped. We're in the middle of the best opportunity that we have to serve you and to glorify you and to point people to you with our lives. And so help us in Jesus' name to stop being selfish and to be selfless for the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.